Okay, today's scripture reading comes from Mark, um, chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 716, and Amelia will be reading that, and then I will be reading from chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Jesus blesses the children. One day, some parents brought their children to see Jesus. Wait, one second. One day, some parents brought their children to to Jesus, so he could teach and touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said, "He said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God of God belongs to those." who are like these children. I, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, the bystanders demanded, What are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Praise God in highest heaven! This is the word of the Lord. you, Tasha and Amelia. My goodness, Amelia, we just baptized you a little while ago, didn't we? And she's already going to work for us. Appreciate that so much. Holly, thank you so much. You nailed it, by the way. You basically said my first point when you talked about going and ministering to the children who really approach the kingdom. Did you know I was going to use this passage? Oh, you got a full tuition. You know what, what's going on. Okay. Well, that was perfect lead-in. Uh, we're continuing the Mark and series on... on uh, translating Mark's gospel, and more specifically this morning we're talking about receiving like children, giving like adults. And I I want to just jump right into it. Let's look at point number one here. Children receive Jesus with joyful need, just as Holly said so beautifully a moment ago. Uh, Let's look at verses 14 and 15 here of this Mark uh, Mark 10 passage that uh, Amelia read so beautifully. Uh, remember that the disciples have just told the children to stay away from Jesus because they were a nuisance. But look at what Jesus says. Don't stop them. 
For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their, hand, on their heads and blessed them. Beautiful, beautiful passage. Kids receive love with joyful need. You and I know that. They're not hesitant to let you know that they need love and attention and affection. And God wants you to know that, that he wants to love you that way as well and shower you with that love and attention. And that's ultimately what the kingdom of God that that passage is talking about is. It's unconditional love. It's unconditional love that he showers upon us that, that began when you became a believer in Jesus that is right here at this moment being showered upon you. And it's showered upon you even beyond this very life in the life to come. It's the ultimate unconditional love. To live the gospel is to receive its love like a child would, eagerly and vulnerably and unapologetically. Uh, I talked the other week about uh, my mentor, Grady Nutt, who was a humorist comedian person, but also an amazing uh, theologian, I think, and, and uh, minister of the gospel. And I remember when uh, his single-engine plane went down very tragically in a storm up in Vinemont, Alabama. And the very next Sunday at my home church where Grady was a member, Steve Shoemaker, who was the pastor at the time, overheard some little kids talking about how they had lost Grady. And they were talking to each other about it. And, and one of the children said, you know, I'm going to miss Grady. He used to always pick me up. And Grady was known. He was this big old burly Texan. And he would just pick up little kids because he wanted to speak to them eyeball to eyeball. So all the kids were used to that. And uh, other kids were saying, I'm going to miss him picking me up too. And finally there was this awkward pause. And then one little child said, who will pick us up now? Who will pick us up now? But it's that wanting to be picked up by God, that, if you will, joyful need for God, uh, that's what we need to be showing to God and exemplifying in our own lives. Really, when it gets down to it, the gospel is a simple, childlike message. You've heard this before, but I talked a few weeks ago about the greatest theologian of the 20th century, Karl Barth, who even got on Time magazine at some point. But as it says up there, the one time he visited the United States, he was a Swiss theologian, but the one time he visited the United States, he was asked by someone, can you give us the essence of the gospel uh, that you've written millions and millions of words about? And I mean, he was prolific, to say the least. And they said, can you just give us the essence of, of, of where you are with that and, and what the gospel is about? And he said, oh, that's simple. Jesus loves me. This I know. What? Help me. For the Bible tells me so. Yeah, I heard it over there. Let it out. Uh, it's receiving Jesus and his kingdom in the spirit with which you and I sang that simple, wonderful, childlike song, whether when we were children or even now. So we're to receive Jesus with joyful need like children, but I want to go right to where we're heading here. Uh, secondly, Jesus commands his disciples joyful help. Now let's go into the context of, of this gospel passage in Mark chapter 11, but it, it's going to wind up applying to you and me, trust me. Now it's Palm Sunday. And I love the way Mark writes this story of all the gospel writers because one of the main uh, characters is the donkey. You know, the donkey takes up half of this story. You know, how Jesus gets the donkey is a big deal when it comes to Palm Sunday. And I love that. Jesus actually gets a couple of disciples and said, okay, here's how you're going to go get a donkey. Now, why does Jesus need a donkey? Well, for about 100 years, Israel had been without a king. 
and, and they were under Roman oppression, and they really were just a puppet state under the Roman government, having a Roman governor that was leading them, and they yearned for this return of the king, return of, of the messianic king who would come and be the king of Israel. And they knew that he was being prophesied about in the Old Testament. For instance, Zechariah 14.4, Zechariah prophesied years before, on that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. You go to Zechariah 9.9, 9, and it says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's coming back. He's coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a what? What does it say there? Donkey? Riding on a donkey's colt. Okay, so Jesus starts this uh, two-mile inauguration day parade, if you will, down into the heart of Jerusalem, and where is he before he goes? The Mount of Olives, Zechariah, right? Uh, what's he riding on? A donkey, Zechariah 9.9. It's the same beast, by the way, that Solomon rode into Jerusalem uh, when he was named king centuries and centuries before. Now, nobody's clear, or unclear, I should say. Nobody's unclear about this message. They see Jesus riding in on a donkey. They immediately go back to the passages in Zechariah and other places. And they're also amazed because what? Even as Zechariah said, where did Jesus start riding the donkey? Mount of Olives. He goes riding a donkey in. They, they realize this is the new king. They're not fuzzy on what this is all about. This is the inauguration of the new king, and they're so excited they take off their robes, throw them on the ground to make sure that the donkey on which this king was riding, that, that the, even the hooves of the donkey would not touch dirt. And they all begin to chant and sing, as we did in the Lord's Supper, Hosanna. Now, let's dig a little deeper here. How does Jesus get the donkey? Because I love this. Let's go to Mark 11. Let's go to verse 1. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of, uh, this different pronunciations, Bethphage or, or Bethphage, and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. So there he is on the Mount of Olives, right? Now, let's go to verse 2. Jesus sent two of them on ahead, two of his disciples. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Now, the best way I can describe it, it would be like, Donkeys back then were like cars now. So a donkey on which had never been ridden is like a brand new car, right? That's really what we're talking about here. And, and it's just gotten home from the dealer. Nobody's really driven it much at all. So you go to verse 3. He says, untie it. Jesus is telling them, untie that donkey and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say the Lord needs it and we'll return it soon. Can you imagine, you, know, you, get, you bring the car home, got the new car smell, you've just brought it home from the dealer, two strangers walk up and say, hey, this is great, love your car, love the new car smell, uh, hey, can we take it for a ride downtown, we'll bring it back in a little while. It's that odd in a way, and yet they go. They're excited, they're fired up, because they get at least some of what this message is about, that Jesus is saying, I'm going to go in, have a triumphant entry as the new king. But look at that phrase, the Lord needs it. The Lord, that's really, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? Sovereign Lord, creator of the full universe, the Lord needs it. That's an oxymoron. Holly, you'll need it. You know what an oxymoron is? Ah, you're going to firm. Okay, yeah. Fresh frozen. Is it fresh or is it frozen? Jumbo shrimp, you know, is it a, a big shrimp or a little jumbo? You don't know. Uh, I've always liked to act naturally. <laughs> act naturally, how do you do that? It's confusing. The Lord needs it is an oxy 
moron. How is it that the Lord who needs nothing needs? How is it that the Lord who needs nothing needs? He's the grand marshal of this parade, and yet he doesn't even have a donkey to his name. So Jesus humbled himself, emptied himself so much that he doesn't even own the donkey that he needs. He's actually in need in a way. But the disciples do it. They're like, okay, done. And they go do it. You'd think this would be awkward for the disciples going and finding a donkey and saying, oh, the Lord needs it. We'll bring it back. But they're fired up. On some level, they're realizing the significance of this moment with the new king. Now, yes, they don't fully understand the kind of king he is. In fact, they misunderstand that, but they're excited because Jesus is clearly saying that he is the proclaimed fulfillment of these Old Testament prophecies, that he is the new Messiah. So they're overjoyed. And soon they're a part of this celebration as they enter Jerusalem and people are throwing the cloaks and uh, shouting Hosanna. Which leads me to this. How did this, all this apply to us? That's where we're going now. Number three, Jesus commands, yes, our joyful giving. Now, Jesus has entered Jerusalem on a donkey. The people are shouting, placing the robes on the ground. How does this apply to us? Imagine, again, uh, that this donkey is brand new, and you're going and asking for it because the Lord needs it. And you say, (laughs) you know, can can we take that downtown? Uh, It would have more significance if we really grasped the reality of Jesus himself asking us for it because he needs it. Because Jesus could say, I'm riding into Jerusalem to die for you so that you can never die. And I, I need this. Is that okay? I think we might say, yeah, that's, that's fine. Which leads me to this. In what way has Jesus been nudging you about something that he needs from you? Could it be your time? Could it be your gifts? Could it be uh, your patience? And yeah, could it be your money? What if someone came to you and asked that you made an extra offering to his church's budget. Or up your giving. Let's just say, what if he asked you to up your giving to the church? Why? Because he needs it. Now, we've had some incredible stuff going on here. Above and beyond, we went above and beyond with above and beyond. I mean, it's ridiculous how much we were able to gather up for that special offering. We're already seeing the fruits of that, you know? We have two of the fruits of that right back here with Austin and Kelsey as we've been able to help them as they're going to be missionaries in, uh, at Living Hope down in Cape Town. But so many other things ways that people are benefiting from that already and will continue to do so and you're going to hear more and more reports about that uh, as we go along adopt a verse which is going on right now if you haven't adopted a verse or verse says please do so go out there 25 dollars a verse going to be amazing that the majera people in cameroon are going to be receiving a part of the bible for the first time specifically the gospel of mark that's going to be incredible what about meal and a deal and yes we do have meal and a deal which is great and we have uh, uh, you know the great offering there, but but just keep in mind that there's more to it than just meal and a deal. It does help with youth trip, mission trips during the summer, but we still have that uh, regular budget thing going on. This is a ridiculously generous church, and it's amazing what we do, realizing how much of this goes directly toward kingdom ministry. But let's talk well about regular budget now. Again. Why can't I talk about money here, by the way? Well, well, Palm Sunday, by the way, the palms were like the national flag of Israel. You might know that on every Jewish coin back then in Jesus' day, you had a, the palm there until they had to start using Roman coinage. So let's talk about 
money here. Why buy a few verses out here? Because the Lord needs it, and many of you have already given to that. The Lord needs it, so what? He can reach people about his grace, about his gospel to the Majera people in Cameroon. Why give a little more to Brookwood Baptist Church? Because the Lord needs it, and you can fill that need. Now, with apologies, is Dave Thomas here? This Oh, gosh, Dave, I apologize for my dear friend Dave Thomas, but uh, I have a Starbucks thing going on here. Uh, ten bucks. Ten, let's say, let's say uh, every giving unit, and we'll break this down in a minute. But let's say every giving unit here gave an extra ten bucks a week uh, to our regular budget going toward kingdom ministry. That's basically giving up two lattes. Okay. Now, why am I using Starbucks as, as an example? Uh, I had Doug Ferguson speak to my ministry students this past week. He and his wife Kim have been visiting here a number of weeks. He's in Augusta right now, probably getting rained out. Uh, he was going to the, to the, big, uh, the big match there. But uh, anyway, Doug has pastored a lot of places. He was co-pastor for a time with John Ortberg at Menlo, Presbyterian, Menlo Park Presbyterian. I heard of John Ortberg? Kind of a big dude. Well, he was co-pastor with Doug, uh, with, excuse me, with, uh, with Ortberg. Well, Doug, and, and he just started talking about stewardship, and I was like, that really wasn't what he was supposed to talk about, but he started talking about stewardship to these young people in my class. And he said this, I actually asked him to write it out because of what he said, because he said it so quick. But he said, my favorite Starbucks drink is a venti, non-fat, extra hot, no water, seven pump, dirty chai tea latte. Does that really exist? Yeah, yeah Okay. The people up at the top really don't know. You know what I'm saying? Okay. His favorite Starbucks drink is a venti, non-fat, extra hot, no water, seven pump, dirty chai tea latte. It costs $5.31 is what he said. But he said, you know, when I was talking to my church in Houston, I thought to myself, if I gave up two of those a week, that's, that's a little over $10. Let's just round it off to $10. If I gave up two of those a week, which my body would thank me for on occasion, and instead invested that money in the kingdom, that extra $10 could change lives. Now, I want to apply that directly to here, if you will, in two ways. First of all, I asked our financial secretaries, Ashley and Karen, you know, how many giving units do we have here at, at Brookwood? Well, it's a family, individual, couple, whatever it might be. And she said uh, 250. Let's go. To, okay, so we have 250 giving units, right? Now, what if all of us upped our giving just 10 bucks a week for a year? 250 giving units. Well, look at that. So that would mean upped it for 50 weeks. Let's rent, you know, not 52 weeks a year. Let's just round it to 50. Okay, so go to the next one. So $10 times 50 is $500. So that would be each of us giving an extra $500. If we did that 500 times 250, $125,000. That'd be an extra $125,000 that, that would be. Uh, going toward the budget, which we'd be going toward even more kingdom ministry that we could give in a joyful, childlike manner. That's just minus two lattes, $125,000. Two, listen to me, read my lips, two lattes. Say that with me. Two, no, is that like you, like you mean it? Two lattes, okay. Now, Let's apply it directly to where we are right now. Okay, as of Sunday, April 7th, which was last week, because we've got all the data on it. Sunday, April 7th, 2019. Our budgeted goal, uh, 1,334,272. Contribution receipts, 1,292,948. Now, where are we with that? So there's a little variance there. What's the variance, Stephen? Uh, 41,324. We're, we're, we're a little bit behind, okay? We've got some weeks left toward our, the end of our fiscal year, but let, let, just keep that in mind. A little, little over $40,000. A little over $40,000. Okay. 
So, let, let's think about that uh, this way. We have 16 weeks from today. We have 16 weeks before the budget year ends. You with me? 16 weeks. Now, so, July 31. Now, if we are even now, if, if we amped it up just 10 bucks a week even now, 16 weeks, what is that? Yeah, 16 weeks before, 16 times 10, so that's $160. Uh, $160 uh, extra that's coming in that every giving unit is giving. How much is that? There's a variance of what, about $40,000, little over $40,000. But if we could just give an extra 10 bucks, what do we got? How, how, much, how much can we get? How much? To quote Emerald the Cook, bam, we can do it. Not a problem. Not a problem. Ten extra bucks. That's all it's going to take. I think we could all pull that off. This is a ridiculously generous church, and, and it looks like the Lord needs it. It's not like, oh, and, and, let me say, and I'm just you know, friend to friend, I talk to way too many pastor friends weekly who are struggling because they are profoundly in debt at their churches, and they're very, it's a very stressful time. To, to pastor a church right now with just all of, all of the, the financial challenges. We're, we're in good shape, but we could be even better and be even more effective as far as how we reach out. Up at 10 bucks Now, the Lord needs it. I'm going to close this morning with a video that just owned me. And Stephen watched it, and it owned you too, didn't it? Uh, you're going to see a video of children from low-income areas of Atlanta and this was around Christmas time a couple years ago, and they, they're presented with a gift for themselves, like Xbox-type stuff, but they're also presented with a gift for their parent or their family, and there's a twist to it, and, 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 and it, puts them, it gets them toward a decision. Now, let's just watch it. This year for Christmas, what are you hoping to get? A computer. Big, giant, Barbie house. A trophy case. An Xbox 360. Minecraft Legos. What do you think your mom or dad want for Christmas? My mom would probably want a ring. She's never really had a ring. Jewelry. She loves jewelry. A new TV. Like watches. So, we actually did buy an Xbox 360. What in the world? What is this? Okay, you you really got this for me? A new laptop. Wow. And it's a necklace. So we also bought a necklace because you said you also wanted to get a necklace for your mom or your auntie. The catch is that you can either get a gift for yourself huh? or you can pick a gift for your mom and dad. I need you to pick one. Now, now before you answer, Oh, I bet that's hard. Is that a really hard question? Mm-hmm. What gift do you pick? I choose this. I gotta go with the ring. What gift do you pick? That one. That one. That dress. I'll choose this for my mom. I'll choose this one. It's a really tough question. I'll give him this. You already know? Tell me why. Because Legos don't matter. Lego, your family matters. Not Legos, not toys, your family. 
So it's either family or Legos, and I choose family. I get gifts every year from my family, and my mom don't get anything. If I get a laptop, my mom will get something. She helps me when I'm sick. She helps me with my homework. She gave me a house to live in. They look out for me and do stuff for me, so I need to give back to them. Now I have the opportunity to give them something. Because you actually picked the gift for your family, you're actually going to go home with both. Tell me how you're feeling. I'm feeling really happy and Why? thankful. Just happy. Thankful. For your family? For what? My family, everything. He did make his decision, actually. And oh he picked the Pandora Charm. Oh, that is... They bliss the guy that did this video said the vast majority of kids from these lower socioeconomic areas of Atlanta, the vast majority, whether they were on camera or off camera, always chose for the parents. So Jesus comes to you and says, uh, can you give me just a little bit more of this so I can ride this donkey into Jerusalem and eventually walk to the cross for you? Can, can we... Can, can we do a little more? Lord, thank you for uh, this strong word. We thank you for seeing the way children both receive love and, and give love. So may we learn to receive your kingdom like children, but give on its behalf like adults. You have blessed us with amazing gifts and amazing resources and amazing generosity, but if we might, oh God, may we hear your voice saying that you need it, that you need a bit more, that people would be reached, that the end result of all this is that other people, whether in Cape Town or, or Cameroon or Mongolia or Truvine, would come to know you personally. Be with us during this time of commitment. We pray these things in your name. Amen.